So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, so welcome back to the podcast. Um, I wrote this down thinking about my guests, that there's not many people that have a straight line professional path directly into the real estate business or in the mortgage business or the entrepreneurial endeavor that you found yourself in. And today's guest is absolutely no different from law enforcement to CEO of the global juggernaut, all things Remax. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Adam Contos. Adam, welcome, man. Hey, thanks, my friend. It's great to see you. How you been? Uh, man, I've been super good. Very busy. Uh, you know, I miss, I think we, we both, we miss all the, the chances to run past each other at a, you know, conference, high five, go have a beer, hang out, have those chats. Uh, think we'll be back there anytime soon. What's your, what's your forecast? Yeah, you know, I, I'm hoping shortly after the first of the year, we can actually start, you know, unpacking a little bit, but, you know, we still, we still have to deal with this thing bouncing around the cities called COVID and, and be careful about it. But I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I've got a, I have a dinner appointment after this with uh, another business associate. So it's, I think people are starting to understand their boundaries. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, for the people that are out there listening, you know, recognize that, you know, Adam has, uh, you guys said 130, 140,000 agents. I probably should have known that. How many agents now around the world? How many countries are you guys now in? Uh, so we're in uh, 110 plus countries in which, you know, bounce around here and there. Yeah. And then uh, somewhere between 130 and 135,000 agents. Love it. I, I don't think countries bounce around, but yes, I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> See you guys, for the people that are listening right now, Adam and I go way back. We've had, we've had lots of fun exchanges. So uh, don't take this anything other than just you know, like two guys just being themselves. So, uh, so 130, 135,000 agents, but 110 countries. I don't think, I don't think Adam people get, um, and I don't, I don't want to say the, the weight, the heaviness, the responsibility, the joy, the fun of, running an organization that is represented in 110 countries around the world. Um, that's a lot of different languages. That's a lot of different cultures. And we're talking about COVID a minute ago. Like that's a lot of different experiences of COVID. Give, give the listeners, not that we want to go all CEO nerdy, you know, for everybody today, but give the, give the listeners a little insight and in what does it take to run a global company? Wow. I mean, you know, and everything changed in March when COVID, this is not like one of those regional things. Like we have a, we have a, a fire or a hurricane or an earthquake or whatever. This was like, everybody had the same problem. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I was kind of zooming around the world doing what we're like on these little boxes right now. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting because the first thing that struck me was everybody has the same thing in their heart. Yeah. And it was fascinating because when you, when you show up, they want kindness, they want leadership, they want clarity and direction, and they want to go help other people. So that's, that's the beauty of our industry is that's why people are here is to help other people. So that was really kind of that commonality of, you know, they look at me and they go, Adam, how can we go help other people? And yeah. that's what it all came back down to. Yeah. So I was listening to uh, to Elon Musk talk about uh, living through COVID through his China operation, December, January, 
and then his European operation and then his US operation, like literally saying like, I experienced it multiple times, the same exact sort of tragic transformation. You, you have to have some of that same experience. Like you guys saw it early. My, my former COO was from Beijing. So we were hearing about it early, but I don't, I don't really think as much as I'd like to say we were prepared for it. I don't think we were really prepared for it. Like, I mean, we had laptops and everybody's ready to go remote, but I mean, prepared for that first two weeks, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. What, what insights did you get early because you do have this global company that helped you in the North American market or any other markets to prepare for it? It was, it was fascinating because we heard the same thing that you did. So we left our uh, convention in early March and, uh, and we had 65 countries represented there, 7,000 people from 65 countries. Yeah. By yeah. the way, I still have yet to have somebody from there call me and say, hey, I got COVID at the convention. So, you know, knock on wood. Um, yeah. And, but we had people leaving our convention who would then be quarantined as soon as they hit the ground in their countries. So that was really the first blast of it that we had and and talking to them and them going, hey, can you call and say that we don't know of anybody there? So we would we would work with them. But of course the government entities are like, that's that's too bad. Um, so it got to what do we do? And ultimately what it boiled down to is let's communicate as yeah. best we can and let's talk to our customers with a relatable uh you know, capability, which turns out to be video, hello, um, you know, the best we can. So that, that's really kind of where we went was, hey, open up with kindness, find out if everybody's okay, and let's figure out what we can do together to help each other. So speaking of communication, that one of the things I've noticed with you in the last, I would say more so 18 months, but it's really gotten more on my radar or in my newsfeed uh, the last nine months is You've, you've gone hard on content partner. It's almost like uh, I was going to bust your chops and say, are you starting a coaching company? Like what's, what's going on here? Like, so, so tell us like, you know, tell, tell the listeners, like, what are you doing from a content standpoint? Why are you doing it? What's the strategy? Like, what are you thinking with all this? Cause you're doing a lot. I, I have this philosophy that leaders grow leaders. I mean, that, that's our job, Tom, it, you know, my job and your job, We're, our job is to grow leaders and we grow leaders by giving them information and confidence to execute. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of people in this day and age, they go for entertainment instead of information. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't really help much of anything except for to, it takes their mind off of some stressful situations or what have you, but ultimately it doesn't give them something to improve themselves with. Right. So that, that's really what I do is I, I look for things that, um, that I can absorb myself. But it's interesting because a, a great mentor of mine uh, a couple decades ago, his, his name happens to be Dave Linegar, told me, hey, Adam, be a sponge. I go, oh, so I need to go gather as much as I can. He goes, no, you need to gather and give. Yeah. So that's that's that philosophy that I've been working under is, and you're right, I haven't been going hardcore on it. I mean, I'm in the middle of a, a, a five-part series uh, right now on engagement, putting out video it. every day. Saw so, it on your Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I broadcast that on six different platforms because I wanted to figure out, okay, where, where is the engagement occurring and, and, you know, good leaders measure their impact. So I wanted to see where that was happening as a result, I'm, I'm broadcasting across those platforms, varying my times a teeny tiny bit and a little bit yeah. of what I'm saying. But ultimately, 
our job, Tom, and, and you're right. I mean, it's, you know, call me the CEO of, you know, we have, I think, six companies now, uh, or a coach. The job is I'm, I'm a leader and I need to influence right. other leaders. So I think you're, you're spot on. And I think for, you know, it's interesting, you know, again, you know, you and I know so many of the players in the space that, you know, are at your level that are running these huge companies and no knock against anyone that aren't creating content, their companies are creating content, but it's very cool for me to see a fellow CEO take it on. Cause I know my team, you know, just two of two of my team here know what it means to create this content, put it out, be engaged, be active, you know, respond to people, DMs and more. And I see you doing that. And I just, I just wanted to give you a shout out and say, man, awesome work and, and keep it up. So let me ask you a, a technical question with the six different channels that you're on, where are you finding the most engagement and what are you doing about it? So I, I think the most engagement right now is Facebook. I'm seeing LinkedIn really uh, start to accelerate. I'm doing LinkedIn live now. Yeah. Smart. I think that's a really good place to be. And then uh, my social media team's been measuring the impact of, of LinkedIn stories. So that's something that I'm really uh, going to start pushing out here probably in the next week or two is LinkedIn stories. But um, I, it, it varies, but it's consistently you're getting good feedback on Facebook. Yep. I think you need to, you know, you do need to throw a few dollars at Facebook in order to really uh, get your spread out there. But ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out, who isn't just getting, who isn't just noticing, but who's engaging. Yeah. And, and that's truly where you're going to find that deeper connection. And so we, we build email lists. We, we watch our, our impact, um, you know, just like what you teach your clients how to do. And, um, and that's really how we, uh, how we grow our, our touch, our value delivery out there in the, uh, you know, the real estate industry and, and beyond. I'm working in several other industries right now helping right. people. So I think it's it's important for people to get like, you know, I'm going to leave this meeting probably like yourself and you have a dinner meeting. My next one is a quick call with my CFO. Then I'm meeting with my COO to just review sort of OKRs and what's going to happen for the fourth quarter. And are we prepped and ready to go for, you know, January? And then I've got a meeting with one of my speakers and I'm going downstairs to check out an event. And then I'm probably going to shoot another piece of content. Like, you know, you live in that world. So how do you, how do you like for the person that's listening right now, that's like, Oh God, if fairy tells me one more time, I've got to start creating content. I'm going to punch him in the face, but you and I both know it is the way you scale trust. It is the way that you, that you build your brand and your identity. So you become that trusted person. They say, Adam, I want a franchise or, or whatever, you know, whatever the business mechanics are that they trust you. What do you say to that agent that says, I'm just too busy? Uh, I, I say that's your problem. I mean, it, I mean, realistically, that's a right it, answer, man. I love that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, for crying out loud, we just, I, th I think we just went through this. I, in 110 countries, over 130,000 agents, six companies. Um, tell me I'm not busy. But right. what I do is, is I have uh, the emotional maturity to determine what decisions I make throughout my day in order to determine what I do. By the way, I create my content. So, right. You know, I do my research just like you do, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, and that's something that you find in leaders who deliver value is they're not just a talking head no. with somebody else's words. They go out and they actually put their words to what they're trying to create impact with. So, um, you know, I'm too busy. Well, that's because you're making bad choices. Yeah. I, sorry, but that's true. Yeah. And um, 
And that's that, that kind of uh, transparent conversation that we have with people as leaders is we need to just be able to say, hold up the mirror and, and take a right. look at your day. And are your priorities where you need them to be? And you'll find a lot of times that they're not. I literally just had this conversation and I'd love your, your input and feedback on it. I'm talking with a very successful client, right? One of your agents. And I say, look, you know, you're on pace to do, you know, call it $3 million in commissions this year. And, and you're telling me you didn't call your past clients, right? That you let it go by a few days. And, and the, the shame is, and I'm not going to shame the person like publicly on the, you know, on this podcast right now, but like, you know, cause you're listening, like the shame is they actually think that it doesn't matter. They think that not making the calls that day, not creating the content that day, not doing the work that day, that it doesn't matter. But you and I both know it does matter. That one hour, I loved your, your phrase, the emotional maturity to be able to determine what I'm going to do and what I'm going to give my energy on. Those of us that understand that one hour matters. And in the real estate business, it's going to show up 60, 90, 120 days, positively or negatively. What like thoughts on that? What would you say to that agent who's, I just, I'm so busy. I can't even make my own phone calls. I mean, I'm writing offers and I'm doing deals. Oh, right. What do you say to that person? I, I, I think they need to audit their schedule more than anything. I mean, it's just, you know, if you, for, um, you know, grand scheme of things, mm -hmm. they're, they're choosing to not do it yeah. because it, it's, it's, it's all a choice. Does it have negative impact? 100%. And unfortunately, we can't turn back the clock and fix that. You have to go back and apologize to those people. I'm sorry I haven't reached out to you before. Instead of just picking up the phone and going, hey, how are you? I was just thinking about you today. How you been? Yeah. And, and the person's not on their heels going, what do you want from me? Why are you calling me now? They're actually going, I get to talk to you every now and then and I appreciate that. You're a kind human being. So, um, you know, we have this ability to give a gift and that gift is attention and personal appreciation. It's something they can't give themselves. Yep. And it's, it's like giving somebody a smile. It's hard to smile through your mask right now out in public, but that's a gift that you should be giving people constantly. And in all reality, calling somebody for a three to five minute phone call just to say hi and I care about you takes no more time than giving a smile in the line at Starbucks. So we don't have an excuse. We just, yeah. we rationalize an excuse because we're afraid of the fact that, yeah, you're right, Tom. I should have done this. I should have listened to Coach Tom. Tell me, do this. And I didn't. Yeah. 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 I mean, you and I both, it's no different from going to the gym, loving on your spouse, spending quality time with your kids. It's just, it's the emotional intelligence to make the right prioritization and choice. So let's go a different direction. Six different companies. I know of two. What are the, well, just take us through the cadre of the, of the companies because I want to talk about managing and, and this would be good for everybody to listen to. So what are the six companies? Okay. So obviously, you know, Remax. Yep. And then we also have Model Mortgage. So those are our two franchise companies. And then we have Bouge, which is a technology company that services the real estate space. Yep. We have Weemlo which is a recent acquisition that we've made during COVID, which happens to be a loan uh, processing company. So they do, they do all the loan processing for uh, mortgage companies. Yep. And uh, you know, obviously we have a mortgage company as well. Sure. So is that an LOS basically you guys acquired? Yes. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and then we have first, which is our AI company that, that predictively tells you who in your contact list in the real estate space you should call because they're likely to sell their house. And it's just, I knew I should have invested in that company when I met with, it was Mike, right? Like he was like, he's like, Ferry, you should do this. I was in San Francisco at an imminent event and like he just walked by, he's like, Ferry, quick pitch. And I was like, 
yeah, there's a lot of AI companies, but now I know I lost again. All right, so you got first. I love it. I didn't know about that one. I knew about uh, Weenlow. So what's the sixth one? First had a great exit for their investors, Tom. Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks for rubbing that in, man. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> you know, friends. It's all good. So, and then we just, uh, we just acquired a, uh, a data, a 20-year-old data aggregation company that does geotargeting of rooftops called Gadbury Group. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a portfolio of franchising, so real estate and, and mortgage, as yeah. well as data and servicing around that, those two sectors. But um, like Gadbury, you know, services quite a bit of outside the real estate space uh, as well. So, uh, first of all, congrats on all the recent acquisitions, right? We know that that's always a fun experience, folding people in, uh, creating trust, getting back to speed. So, give us some insight on that. Like, you, you acquire a company, what is that, what is that path? In, for the people that are listening, like, when a company gets acquired, you know, maybe the CEO stays more than likely. Some of the executives are now scratching their head wondering what's going to happen. You know, who is this new parent company? How do, you, how do you create that trust with everybody so you can actually get back to the speed and efficiency of work? Well, the interesting part about a acquisition, especially in this day and age, is it has to work both ways. I mean, right. it's, you know, the, and, and we're not dealing with manufacturing here. We're not dealing with supply chain. We are dealing with services. Yes. And look across the board, all of them are services. So what does that mean your greatest assets are? It's people. people. Yep. Exactly. So do you think, Tom, do you think that if I was hiding as a CEO where people didn't know who I was, they didn't see these videos, the podcast, things like that, that they'd be kind of going, is that somebody we want to be with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same like what, you know, everybody that's listening to this is doing because everybody listening to this is in the service space. If people can't look you up on Google and watch a video of you and see what kind of a human being you are, they most likely are going to pass and move on to somebody else that they can. So, um, you know, a big part of this was, uh, you know, we looked for great people and we demonstrated to them that we're great people because what we do know is that great people can work together to accomplish things. So that was, that's really the foundation for it, for all of the acquisitions is, is this something that helps people in our space? Is it a service that provides value to people in our space with good people? Yes. And can we roll it into our good people? So, I mean, fundamentally, you know, there's a lot of financials and review of risk yeah. and direction and things like that on these things, but ultimately it has to pass that test first. Yeah. It's the, it's the like, it's the likability test, right? Cause we're all going to be in this sandbox together. So well, well answered. Do you have a, uh, do you have a, uh, a management operating methodology that you follow? OKRs, 40X, something like that. And if so, like, can you shed some light on it? You know, I, I believe you communicate, you, you make sure that everybody is, you know, mine, mine's pretty simple. Are we in alignment? Are we communicating and are we executing? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it, we don't have to overcomplicate this. Ultimately, you've got a lot of people that overthink things, they overplan, they overstrategize. And what you need to do is you look around on the battlefield and you go, that's the hill we want to take. Is it worth our effort, our money, you know, the, the risk, the expense, things like that. Uh, and 
is there a good upside? And when I, when I look at something that we need to accomplish, back to 130,000 plus agents, I need to figure out, is this something that I can benefit them with? Can I benefit our stakeholders? 130,000, a lot of them are shareholders as well because we're a public company. And, you know, I I have to balance those things, but then you take a step back and you go, is this the right thing to do? Yeah. So, um, you know, really your your North Star is your values. Our values are very easily explained. M-O-R-E, deliver to the max, be customer obsessed, do the right thing, and everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really your North star. And, uh, and then you, you try and grow every day. Love it. Love it. Uh, what are you accountable for? What's your job? What's your job? You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, like I, I, I put CEOs on this show, Adam, and literally I'm like, what's your job? And they're like, what isn't my job? Like if I need to pick up the trash, but I'm like, but at the end of the day, like, and a publicly traded company with a board, though you're on the board, you are responsible to, you know, the board and then the shareholders. What are you accountable to? Well, I'm accountable for future growth of the company. So, I mean, really, that's what Wall Street banks on is, does this company look like it's going to have future growth? So, are you yeah. investing, you know, your, your numbers you're reporting are, they're a reflection of what you've done. Yeah. And then everybody has these forecasts. You do your financial forecasts and how do you get to that point? And they go, well, we think you can do this. And they, they don't know the inner workings of your company. They yeah kind of guess, but, um, you know, and they, they put their formulas and their, their MBA students to it and things like that. And they go, all right, here's what we think you can do. Here's what you think you can do. Why is there a gap or is it in alignment? So, um, you know, really I'm accountable to the results of the organization and the future growth of the organization. So you look at, um, past nine months, we've done three acquisitions, you know, an acquisition generally is not accretive. It's not making money, no. Uh, for the company instantly. So my job is how do we turn those into accretive mm-hmm. assets in the organization and, uh, and continue future growth? So I have, a, you know, I have a plan, I have a story behind all that, and I have an amazing team of people to, to work in that direction. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. So, you know, for the people out there listening, um, if you've never been part of a publicly traded company or, or someone at this level as Adam is, um, you're responsible, as he said, to so much more, not just the stakeholders, not all your employees, and in his case, all of his agents and everybody that owns a franchise and all these other companies, but he's also responsible to the board, right? And, and ultimately, you know, I don't, I don't want to call him much a propeller heads because I got a lot of friends in high finance, but you all know what I'm talking about, right? They're looking at whatever Adam said, and whatever Adam did in the last 90 days and, and then declaring what we think his stock's going to be worth in 90 days. So do you remember back in 2000 before the, before the dot-com bubble, how, how often we found agents, you know, back then we didn't have a phone. So we were just looking at our computer when we should be making our phone calls, staring at the value of stock, right? And, and watch, I was literally, I would do seminars and say to agents, you need to turn that off and you need to sell houses, right? Cause you got no control over this. And yet people like yourself and, you know, Dave Leniger, who I also have mad love and respect for, as you do, 
you got to look at that stock bouncing because it impacts, you know, your, your finances, how the world feels about you. Like that's a lot of pressure, Adam. How do you deal with it? I used to get shot at for a living, Tom. I mean, you know, it's, I, I look at it and I go, okay, it's, it's a reflection of the fact that somebody's buying and selling. A, a lot of stock value rides on supply and demand. Yep. I cannot impact that on a daily basis. So I have to, you know, reside myself to the fact that I'm going to do the best that I can do every day in order to impact that in the future. So it's, it's, you know, and that's the discipline, that, that emotional maturity and the emotional intelligence that, that we just talked about of knowing um, life is not about instantaneous results. In fact, you look at like Michael Porter, um, Harvard Business School professor, one of the greatest business professors of all time. So Michael Porter said, it's not really a strategy if it's less than three or five years that you're willing to be involved in it. So you can't chase the shiny thing and hope that you're going to make a difference in your business. You got to be dedicated to the grind because business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And if you stop every now and then and go, all right, I'm going to go do this. And I I need to go to the store and I'm in the middle of this marathon. You're never going to finish and you're never going to see results. So, um, you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, nothing I can do about it. Yay. Great day. It's green. Oh, bad day. It's red. Right. Life goes on. That's, I mean, I just, I wanted, I, I assumed you were going to say that, but I wanted people to hear it, right? That, that every CEO I know and high level executive, they watch it bounce, but they're like, I have no control over that. I'm going to focus on what I can control, which for everybody listening right now, what can you control? What are the levers and the dials that you can constantly play with to improve your performance, to get more time back, to get higher profits, to sell more houses and more, um, Okay, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. This will be really fun. Ready? Uh, EXP is already public. Realogy is already public. Keller Williams is not. Compass is saying they're going. What's your take right now on the real estate, the greater real estate landscape? Do you think the public companies are going to do okay? Do you think the other ones are going to go public eventually? And what in the world is going on with all these mortgage IPOs? Just general sense. I know we're talking about your friends and quote unquote competition, but you know, Talk to me. All right, Tom. I, I look at this and there's um, there's always some speculation. There's always some distraction of this person's doing this or that person's stock price is doing whatever. Yep. I mean, the reality is for all of us on the street, if you're an investor, invest where you think is best for you, but ultimately go do your freaking job. Okay. And I mean, it's if you're spending all day reading articles about the industry, thinking that that's going to change what the buyer or seller down the street is going to do, you're wrong. Yeah. What's going to change what the buyer and seller down the street is going to do is the fact that they need to trust you and see that you're an expert in the space. And the only way they're going to know that is if you're putting yourself out there instead of sitting there looking at the app on your phone or, you know, reading an article on, on some industry, you know, newspaper or something like that. So I just, you know what? Let them do what they want to do. If you want to invest, go do it when they sell stock or anything like that and, and do your job. But, um, you know, it's, it's like, hey, what's Netflix going to do? What's Tesla going to do? I mean, come on. They're, they're big companies. There's a lot of factors. If anybody actually knew what affected those on a daily basis, that person wouldn't be sitting around trying to figure out, okay, what do I buy? Because they would already know. Yeah. So, um, you know. The reality is do your job and do it really well and get to be a better person each day and life will treat you well. 
if we were sitting here having a beer right now, I'd be like, you just diverted away from that question, but I appreciate it because you're right. Like focus on what you can control. So I'm letting you kind of off the hook. What do you think about all these IPOs with all these mortgage companies? I mean, we're in the middle of a refi boom. Of course they're making a fortune. You and I both know they're going to have to sustain growth as a publicly traded company or they are D E A D dead in the water. What advice would you have for those CEOs? You know, it's interesting because they need to be looking down the road. I mean, we've, we've been public just less than a decade. And uh, I mean, the, the reality is it's, it's the long game. So an IPO is a great way for people, a lot of times those early investors to take some chips off the table. Yep. That's, that's really why a lot of these companies are doing that. Um, their investors got in uh, a few years ago, they're looking for an exit and it's hard for um, somebody who's a now a minority shareholder to come in and, and take out those investors. The investors want to see a good return. And the majority of the time that has to do with uh, an IPO process. So, um, you know, ultimately it's, it's a function of a healthy economy of people growing businesses and reinvesting in those businesses. And that's the beauty of this society that we're in is that's how we grow companies is, by taking them public and allowing other people to invest in them. So um, it's, it's a natural occurrence. When you look at when they started and when their IPO is occurring, there's a cycle there that occurs and they're, you know, they're just following that. But you, you also time it to an extent. Is this right. the right time? And you right. pay somebody a lot of money to tell you whether or not it's the right time. And, you know, they read the tea leaves on the street and figure out, okay, this looks good. Let's do it. Risk is lower or we can wait, risk is higher, but you may see a higher return. A lot of people are like, no, we want to exit, let's do it. So that's kind of, you know, what you see happening with, with a lot of these startups. And you know what, good for them. Um, God love them because being a public company CEO has a, a lot of different parameters to it. And yeah. it's, it's a change for a CEO to understand that. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. I mean, I want to go back to the early days. Law enforcement to CEO of all these companies, um, as I mentioned in the very beginning when we started this podcast, like there's not a lot of people that have a straight line path to that. So, so let's just say, Adam, the person listening right now, she's ambitious and she's like, one day I want to be CEO. Like what, what does that person have to do to earn the right? Whether, whether they don't just start their own company. And by the way, you and I both know you could start your own company and you could have a title and a business card that says CEO and you're probably not a CEO. You're not really operating at the, at the way you could or should. What do you think is the, the most important learning steps along the way to, to get to that goal? It's, it's a combination of things, Tom. I mean, first of all, you said the word learning. Learning never stops if you want to be a CEO, if you want to be a business leader. I, I know a lot of CEOs, a lot of public company CEOs, and I'll tell you what, they work from the second they open their eyes, which generally is before 5 a.m. I get up at 4.30 every day. Yeah. And they're learning, they're improving, they're testing and measuring, they're executing, and it, it's, it becomes a lifestyle. It's not something you go, hey, I want to go be a CEO, but I'm only going to do it a couple days a week. I mean, I, it, that doesn't work. It's no. like being, no. you know, how do you build a super successful real estate team, real estate brokerage uh, as an individual agent? It's because you look yourself in the mirror every day and go, what did I do to make money for the company and what did I do to grow myself? And you got to have an answer twice a day before lunch and before you turn out the lights. So, um, you know, it, it's, 
it is a unending endurance sport and it's, you know, hour after hour, but you have to learn to love it. Yeah. You got to learn to love it. Yeah. Have you met uh, David Goggins yet? Is that name? No, no. I've seen, I'm familiar with his work, uh, his book and, you know, all the physical stuff that he's done. I mean, the guy's a machine. I've not uh, met him. Yeah. I mean, he's like, so I've, I've interviewed him multiple times and, you know, was part of his book launch and actually had him speak at one of our summits. And like, he just, he talks about like, Hey man, you get there through pain, right? And it could be the pain of sacrifice. It could be the pain of doing the work, trying to do 60,000, you know, pull-ups, or it could be the pain that, Hey, you know what? I'm going to get up at four 30 in the morning and I'm going to listen to a podcast while I'm working out, getting in my exercise and then being on my first meeting at six thirty in the morning. Cause I got clients, you know, and, and customers all over the world. Like, I just think most people aren't ready for that, but I, but I want people to get, just like I said, there's no natural path to becoming CEO. Well, let me, let me say it to you this way. I'll, I'll ask it, Adam, at, at the end of the day, beyond shareholders, right? Beyond, you know, revenue growth, like what does it really mean to lead? That's, I love that question, Tom. So what it really means to lead is to affect change for good. And it, you lead in many ways. Like I, I talked to my, uh, I have three college student kids now. Our kids are growing up, Tom. I know. Um, they got old. We didn't. They got old. That's true. Yeah. I, I got younger. I, I mean, right. I, I, love, I added the Tom Ferry glasses <laughs> and, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's affecting change, yeah. but it's not change for change sake. It's change for good sake. Yeah. So, um, and I'll tell you, you, you learn a lot of self lessons. First one is how do you control your emotions? Mm-hmm. And the second one is how do you switch from crisis to crisis without bringing the last one into the next one? Bingo. So it, that, and in fact, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I brought from my previous career is you would, you'd go to like a ton of different calls during the day and each one was a crisis and you can't come from the last one where somebody's trying to kill you and come to the next one and, and allow that to affect how you treat somebody as a, as a human and with kindness. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's really what, you know, a business isn't quite as extreme. There's really nobody trying to take your life. No. Uh, but the reality is there's an extreme emotional overload going on in so many different aspects of life that we have to deal with, especially in the real estate space. Cause I just, I heard the survey again, Number one most stressful thing that somebody deals with in their life is moving. And guess what? Right. You're right in the middle of that. Right. So, right. you know, it, it's about controlling your emotions and helping people affect change for good in this process. And that change might be in a negotiation process. It might be, okay, how do we get through these deadlines? How do we get that loan approved? Whatever it might be. But um, it's, it is dealing with these crises on a regular basis. Yeah. I forget who said it first, but I know, uh, you know, our mutual friend, Gary V really put it like, he just kept saying it over and over again, like being the CEO, being a leader, it's just getting punched in the face over and over again, putting a smile back on your face and going right back at it. Because like, that's the game. Like you, you and I both know, I think it was Jim Rohn who said like, you know, the, the quality of your business is your, the quality of your ability to solve problems at scale, right? Like that's how you make money. And every listener knows that. Let me go to a totally different direction with you. Competition. How have you guys sort of, as, uh, as Buffett says, dug the moat to make sure that this business isn't going to be annihilated by competition? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Tom, because 
that would indicate that there's some sort of a conclusion to digging the moat. Yeah. You're never done digging the moat. I love it. it. Yes. I mean, you, and, and truthfully, you know, you get tired doing it, but yeah. that is getting tired and your own feelings about it is a bigger competition than what's outside the moat. Yeah. So uh, most businesses don't die from competition. Most dis- businesses die from within mm-hmm. and then the competition rolls over them. Yes. So, but Adam, right now, you know, there's somebody listening like, man, I just, I'm getting my butt kicked right now by, you know, the discount broker, the, you know, I buyer just came into my, my marketplace and I'm in that 250, you know, three bedroom, two bath. And, and, and you and I both know it's not everyone, but if they lose one, it's everyone is coming to get me. What advice do you have for people when it comes to competition? People get hyper-focused on the challenges that competition brings to their door. And instead of looking at competition as being a, a tailwind form, they look at it as a drag. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, you look at it and you, uh, guess what? Tomorrow we're all going to get up and we're going to be a day older. Are we going to look at that as a drag on us or are we going to look at it as an opportunity for us? Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same thing with competition. There's going to be somebody new in your marketplace in this industry tomorrow. I mean, guaranteed tomorrow, some little fire breather with a, you know, a, a great business marketing idea is going to get their license tomorrow and they're going to be banging on your door going, I'm taking you out. And you either look at it and go, that's just going to incent me to get better and get closer with my customers. And I, I need to make a a move on on part on the part of my business in order to improve that. So you can either look at it and go, this is distracting and it's it's a challenge, or hey, wow, this just refocused me. This is an opportunity. I'm going after this. Right. Right. So so how do you keep it fresh? And then how do you te- how do you keep a company? Because really we're talking about like old school Peter Drucker, all businesses, innovation and marketing, right? You got to keep it fresh and then you got to keep six different brands fresh. How do you do it? You got to wake up every morning and, and really feel that way, Tom. I mean, it's, I don't hit the snooze button. I hate the snooze button. So um, keeping it fresh is, it's not a singular choice in your life and in your day. It's a holistic choice in how you operate across the board. You can't pick to what part of your life you want to be successful in. And a lot of people try and do that. Yeah. They, they try and say, all right, I'm going to go make my business really good so I can go home and have a pizza and a beer. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you got to take care of the whole package. Because if, if your body is in a bad shape, if your mind is in a bad shape, your business is going to suffer. So, I mean, you just need to resolve yourself to the fact that you're either going to try and be the best or you're not. But if you're not, don't complain about somebody overtaking you because you decided, again, emotional maturity. It's a a choice that we get to make whether or not I want to try and be the best every day. Um, It's okay to go on vacation. Be selective about that and say, I'm unplugging. I'm done. I'm not going to worry about being the best today. I'm going to be the most relaxed today. But ultimately, it's it's hard to turn that brain off. You know know it, Tom. You're sitting on the beach reading the business book and, and creating content. Yep. But, um, and, and that's when you really know you're, you're hungry for it is when you, when you struggle to turn it off, 
when it's easy to turn off, you, you need to reflect on it. Right. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Adam, this has been super rad. I know we both got crazy schedules uh, and I'm, I'm almost, I'm looking at my team. Like this is another one of those, like this could have been like a seven hour marathon of just, you know, bantering back and forth. Um, but as we, as we bring this to a conclusion for the people out there that haven't taken the time or gotten to know Adam the way I know him, I hope you got a sense of who this guy is. We didn't get to talk about wife and kids though. We, we shed a little light on it. Um, but you know, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. And it's been fun to, you know, you and I go back to sales power in Florida and all the, you know, all these kind of, that was very old school, uh, you know, cool product, uh, training we did together, but man, like, I'm just, I just want to say, I'm really proud of you. I love that you're putting out content. You know, I'm all about that. So as we wrap this, just kind of closing thoughts from you, like, a, you know, we're 92 days, I think between now and the end of the year, this will go out sometime in October. What advice do you have for people that are listening that just one last little nugget to get them to crush the fourth quarter in 2021? Um, I, first of all, I mean, huge gratitude to you, my friend. Um, I mean, knowing you over the years, you're a, a great human being and you care about people. And I mean, I, I keep my circle small and I'm, I'm, I, I love to say that, that you and I pick up the phone and have conversation on occasion about how great things are and how even better they can be. So I'm honored to be, uh, you know, that close to you. So um, the closing thoughts, I mean, I was, I was talking to an amazing CEO one day, uh, Bill McDermott, he was the CEO of SAP software. Yep. And that guy, uh, he wrote a great book, I think it was called Leader Soar or something like that. Um, it was, it was a good book. Get the audio because you can hear him talk about it and carrying copiers up the stairs in New York and things like that when he was in sales. But I asked him, I said, Bill, I want to be the best leader I can possibly be. What advice do you have for me? And I'm sitting there thinking, all right, what, what's this guy going to pull out? And, and what he pulled out was something that I see every day and I reflect on every day. And it's this right here. He said, Adam, stay hungry and stay humble. And if, if you look at those two pieces of advice, when it comes to creating success in your life, you know, the, the hunger of like, like we talked about hitting the floor, going for, you know, going for broke every day and putting it all in, you got to do that. You just, you can't go, I'm going to coast for a while and see what happens in my industry because it doesn't work. You can't say, I'm going to not call my customers. You can't say, I don't like how I look on video. And if you're crying out loud, it takes you a couple hundred of them and you're like, whoa, this is actually working. But I mean, it works. I mean, Tom called me out on it. You heard me. You heard him say that. So, um, but, and then, and then humility, you know, be humble, be a kind human being and help people and give out that kindness as much as you possibly can and genuinely care and life will treat you well. So that's, that's what it's about. Just giving, 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 and it does come back. I can promise you that you don't know when don't go looking for it, but let it do its job. I love it, man. Well said my brother. So thank you so much. Love to the fam and to the whole six company org. Super proud of you. So my friends, as you're listening to this, uh, follow Adam on all the, on all the social channels, just type in Adam Contos and you'll find him everywhere. And, uh, listen, brother, thank you. Crush the rest of this year. And I'll look forward to talking to you soon. And for all my listeners out there, give us a share, give us a like, give us some comments and we love you. Thank you so much for being a listener and just being in our community. See you guys soon.
If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.